This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Welcome. This is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You're listening to Ascent Dental Solutions. This is Ascent Dental Radio, and this is close to our 100th podcast, but today may be one of our most important podcasts. Today, we have a world-renowned speaker, someone, in my opinion, who's been ahead of the time and continues to be ahead of the times. I don't want to waste a lot of our valuable time going through his significant curriculum vitae, but let's just say today we have Howard Farron willing to talk about almost anything uh, related to business, the business of dentistry and healthcare. In particular, uh, he reaches over 140,000 dentists, 40 different countries, and his Dental Town Magazine and information continues to grow because he's providing information in an efficient and effective manner to our most important uh, listeners, and that's our dental community. Whether you're dental assistants, dental hygienists, or dentist, or in the management uh, of dentistry, I think his information is uh, incredibly important. Howard, thanks so much for taking time from your busy schedule. I really appreciate you taking the time. So let's get started. You're 25 years old, you're $324,000 in debt, and uh, you're ready to graduate. You haven't taken a business course, you haven't actually actually own the business, you probably don't even have a checking account. What's your recommendation? What are the steps to help you on the right path to get you in the right direction? Do you recommend solo practice, group practice, dental service organizations, or managed service organizations? What's your thought and recommendations? You know, I graduated May 11 in 1987, and I had my office open September 21st. It took me 133 days. I think these, uh, these kids, you know, they want to go work at DSOs for years and years and years. The danger with that is once they get a DSO job or they go work in an associate, they start making 100 grand a year, and then they develop that spending problem. They go out and buy a nice Nissan. Uh, they, they go out and buy a house. They start eating out dinner several nights a week. And by the time they raise their lifestyle and make their minimum monthly student loan payment, there's nothing left over. And then they get comfortable. Then they find a lover, maybe get married, have a kid. And then they're like, oh, my God, it's so risky. You know, there's no smart time to have a kid. I had four of them. I had four kids, four boys in 60 months. There's no smart time to start a dental office. You know what you do? You do it when you're young and dumb and have nothing to lose. We see in America only 0.4% default rate on buying an existing dental practice. Only 0.4%, and those 0.4% all have their license taken away, and about 80% of that is for alcohol, and 20% is for opioids and others. So if you don't have a substance abuse problem, open up your damn dental office. There's 168 hours in a week. So if you buy an existing practice, you don't need any demographics because it's already working, so there's significantly less risk. And you can get finance for them all day long. In America, the problem is never, can I get a loan? The problem is always, can I pay the loan back? So you have access to capital working in the richest country in the world. So if you, if you want to go someplace that doesn't need a dentist, then you need to buy a practice. On the supply and demand curve, if there's a lot of dentists in the area, starting your own can be tough. But you got to remember, all the dentists in America, they only work Monday through Thursday from 8 to 5. 
there's 168 hours in a week. I see this in San Francisco where these kids will come out of school and they won't buy a house. They won't buy a condo. They won't get an apartment. They won't get a car. They'll go, they'll go open up their dental office and they'll literally have a little bed in the back and they'll live there. And their office phone is their iPhone. And they'll tell me, you know, in San Francisco, Monday through eight to five, it's pretty tough. But all the dentists go home at five and, and every night I get an emergency toothache, $2,500 root canal buildup and crown at about six or 6.30. And a lot of times I'll get another one at eight. And then on Saturday, it's so funny how everybody is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Every dentist in America will tell you, well, you know, no one shows up on Saturday. All of my friends who are doing two to $4 million a year, everyone will tell you Saturday is your biggest day because there's no one else open. And who cares if they don't show up for a cleaning or a recall, or they miss their, uh, their, their cleaning on Saturday, or whatever. It's the toothaches. It's the broken tooth needing a $1,000 crown. It's the toothache needing a root canal bill of a crown. And I know dentists in San Francisco who will do ten or 15000 on Saturday and ten or 15000 on Sunday. So what I tell these young kids, the problem these kids have is they have a spending problem. When we look at dentists, hell, you find dentists that are 50 years old, they're still paying interest on other people's money. They still got a mortgage on their house, a mortgage on their car. They still go out to eat. I look at all the spending categories. Like once you're a dentist or a physician or a lawyer on its vacation time, you don't go camp out at the lake. Oh no, you got to get in an airplane and fly to some resort. You don't drive a little Honda Accord. You, you buy some thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar car. You don't buy a three bedroom, two bath, fifteen hundred square foot home. You always have to buy a three thousand, thirty five hundred square foot home. Dentists, physicians, lawyers have serious ego problems and they think that since they went to school for eight years and are a doctor, they gotta live high on the hog. So what these kids should do is if you've already borrowed a quarter million dollars, you already bought a house. Let's get that house paid off. Um, I see the really smart kids with, with no ego. They'll sit there. And, and I'm in Arizona. There's two dental schools in the Phoenix Valley. One's in Mesa, AT still. One's in Glend Glendale uh, Midwestern. And the smart kids will sit there and come out of school and say, hey, mom and dad, you know, I'm $400,000 in debt. Would you care if I move back home? And their parents love it. They say, hell yeah. And then they go get a job at like one DSO um, um, and they'll work like say uh, six in the morning uh, or like the 6 a.m. to one shift. And then they'll go to the other side of town and work the afternoon from a two to 8 p.m. shift. They'll do that seven days a week for like maybe six or eight months and, and then have their own office open. So I, I would just say get out there and work like no man has and you'll live like no man has. But if you can't get on the other side of paying interest on other people's money, then you're never going to get wealthy, which is from when you have money that's earning interest. So they, they need to cross back over that chasm. And it still scares me how many – I met a dentist the other day, 60 years old, and he just upgraded to some 5,000-square-foot mansion on a 30-year mortgage. I'm like, dude, you really think you're going to live to be 90? I mean, what is wrong with these people? So live frugal, live below your means. That's my advice. Well, thank you very much. Let's change gears a little bit, Howard, and let me hear what your opinion is. Let's just say you did open and you did exactly what your advice, which I personally agree with, uh, is to just get off your duff and do it. And uh, if you're willing to put the sacrifice in and make smart decisions, you'll reap the rewards. But how would you recommend that uh, these young men and women compete against a managed service organization or a dental service organization? And just uh, uh, briefly, my personal opinion is a managed service organization is going to be equity-backed, venture capital, equity partners. A dental service organization is going to be backed by a group of dentists that may or may not be working in the practice. Uh, so one has more or less an unlimited supply of money uh, and perhaps expertise, and the other a little less so. But I think they're two distinct animals, and I want the listeners to understand from my perspective that they are two different animals, DSOs and MSOs. But the real question is, is what other than working 
extended hours, which many of these MSOs uh, are doing. They're expanding the hours. Uh, they're doing just what all businesses have done from the beginning of time. Uh, what's your recommendation how to best compete, in your opinion, with those two organizations? Okay, well, first of all, this might be a five-minute rant. I hope you can bear with me. But the bottom line is, you know, my, my dental practice is 31 years old. I graduated in 87, and this is 2018. And I see zero evidence that any of them is successful. It started off with Orthodontic Centers of America with Lazarus, and he did a roll-up, and he got a $100 million line of credit, and he went and bought $100 million orthodontic practices. It's the only one that made it to the New York Stock Exchange, and it completely imploded. There were a dozen on NASDAQ when I got out of school. Then they're gone for 10 years. Now they're back. Uh, not one of these companies – uh, could go public. They, I mean, imagine I go on Shark Tank and I go up to um, the smartest shark on Shark Tank. It's got to be the bald guy, right, uh, Mr. Wonderful. And he says, I want a million dollars. And Mr. Wonderful say, what are you going to do with it? He goes, well, I'm going to buy a dental office. Okay, then what are you going to do? How am I going to get my money back? Oh, no, I'm going to come back next week, ask for another million, and buy another million-dollar dental office. Then myself to go for one million too. Well, what are you going to do the third week? I'm just going to keep doing this till until we go bankrupt. How a business is profitable is you would go borrow a million dollars, you would buy a dental, you would build a dental office or buy a dental office, and you'd pay that million bucks, bucks back over four, five, six years, and then it would grow in earnings. One would turn into two, two turned into four, four turned into eight, eight turned into 16, 16 turned into 32. That's how every publicly traded franchise company works. That's not what we see in the DSOs. There's not a single DSO in America that could go to Wall Street and do an IPO on NASDAQ or NYSC. In fact, I've lectured in 50 countries around the world. There's only two, there's only three publicly traded DSOs in the world. Two of them are in Australia, one's in Singapore and Australia. It's one 300 Smiles and the other one's Specific Smiles. And I did, uh, um, and then there's one in Singapore, uh, Q&M, and, and they have some interesting things. So if you do want to ever look at DSOs, they have one interesting thing that I'll get back to America. All three of them go seven to seven, seven days a week, because all three of those were founded by dentists, and they discovered a distinct difference between baby boomers that are our age and millennials. And that is the baby boomers were, had a lot of dentistry done. They had a lot of root canals, fillings, crowns. They knew that some dentists were better than others. They knew some people put in root canals that failed and had to be extracted. Well, the millennials, they, you know, the, the baby boomers, uh, you go in there, and, and they, they know there's a difference between dentists. But the millennials think, well, I, I have a cavity. I mean, can't any dentist fill it? You listen to consumers talk here in Phoenix, and someone will say, oh, yeah, my friend had to go. Uh, she had an emergency on Friday night. I had to get her appendix taken out. And I'll say, where did you take her? And she'll say, Chandler. And I'll say, well, do you think Chandler's better than Banner? And they, they, it, it's become a commodity. Dentists and physicians got so damn good that every millennial thinks, well, if I got a cavity, any dentist can fill it. If I have to have my appendix removed or I have a heart attack or I have cancer, I mean, you just go to the big hospital up the street. So we are seeing a backlash that doctors, physicians, lawyers got so damn good that now they're commodities in the eyes of the millennials. So the millennials now just focus on themselves. So all three of these publicly traded chains are open seven to seven, seven days a week. The number two thing they do <laughs> and I'll get back to America, go back to America, a hygienist, you know, the average dentist has one hygienist who works, you know, five days a week, maybe max four days usually. So if the hygienist um, sees uh, it works 40 hours a week and there's 50 weeks a year, that's 2000 hours. So she can only see a thousand people twice a year. So when you look at a thousand people, the average dental office gets 25 new patients a month. So that means every two and a half years, you would add another hygienist if you were keeping these patients. Well, you look at any dental office that's 10 years old, they don't have four full-time hygienists. You go to one that's 20 years old, they don't have eight. You go to one 30, they don't have 12. I mean, I mean, so so the, what we see in America is that nobody can keep customers flying. You go to a 60-year-old dentist in Parsons, Kansas, he's been there 40 years, and I'll say, buddy, what do you need? And he says, I need new patients. Like, well, how the hell could you need new patients? You've been sitting here getting 25 new patients a month for 40 years. So these, these three publicly traded dentists know that's the problem. You go in there and 
the, the assistant takes the x-rays and you lean them back and you come look. There's no interpersonal relationship to break this commodity. So what they all did is they got rid of all the hygienists. They said, you know what? I want the dentist to do the cleaning. Because look at the cleaning. In America, the insurance company is paying you $55 for a cleaning and the hygienist is charging you $40 an hour. I mean, simple math with the average dental office overhead at 65%. It's a total loss. So what happens? Um, so the hygienist, uh, you know, seats, um, cleans up the, seats up the room and seats the patient. Well, hell, a dental assistant could do that. So then she goes over, she does the, uh, the measuring the gums, she does the scaling, the polishing. Well, hell, the polishing could be done by the assistant. She's taking x-rays. The assistant can take the x-rays. She's doing all this work for a loss, and then she goes and waits about five minutes, sometimes ten minutes, for the dentist to do the exam. Then he comes in there, the patient's laid back, he's got masks, gloves, loops on, up, patient's upside down, and there's, there's no relationship building. So what, the, what these VSOs do is they say the three profitable publicly traded who every year their debt level goes down and their net income goes up, they're very well run. They said, look, I'm going to have the dental assistant set up the room. I'm going to have a dental assistant see the patient take the x-ray. Then we're going to bring in the dentist. He's going to measure the gums while the assistant records. And then while he's scaling, he'll be forming a relationship. He'll be talking to us. So, Kevin, tell me that. Are you married? Do you have kids? What's going on? This and that. And then he can pull out the intro camera and he can be showing the digital x-rays. And He's doing the exam. He's scaling each tooth. A lot of these dentists will go in there and do like an exam in one minute. Well, there's nobody who believes in complete dentistry that you could do with a one minute, two minute, three minute exam, but you're in there scaling and uh, scaling for 10 or 15 minutes. Then when you're done, the patient's completely educated. They've read the x-rays, you've gone over the digital, you use the, the intro camera, which my first intro camera costs $30,000 on uh, Denticam by Patterson, and now you get a Digidoc for $3,500. And, and, then, and then they sit there, the treatment plans are much higher. The relationships were formed. You're not like a commodity. I mean, he was in there with you for 15, 20 minutes. Then he leaves and the assistant jumps over, does the polishing, does the flossing, does the fluoride, writes up the chart, exits the patients, goes back, cleans up the room, and starts it again. So none of the three profitable companies have hygiene departments because hygienist wages are too high based on the, the, the prophylactic fee being only so low, $55, but that's not even 20% of it. 80% of it is, I, I, I've, been in, I've been in a thousand dental offices in 31 years. The dentist say, oh, can you excuse me for a second? And he jumps in the room and goes and gives a lower block and then rips off his gloves and mask and jumps back into his private office. Um, you, you see it all the time where when the dentist is done, the dentist always goes back into their private office. Hell, I'm watching the World Cup uh, right now, these series. I mean, the, the coach is on the line. I always walk my patients out there. And a lot of times, uh, you know, you're talking, you're bonding, you're being funny. And a lot of times the receptionists say, hey, Howard, uh, Kevin's been sitting out there. You got a 10 o'clock appointment with him and it's 15 after. I don't think he's too thr thrilled about that. I'm like, Kevin, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And I walk out there and press the flesh. So if the only unique selling proposition you have is a relationship. It's all based on trust. And there's no that – is, that is the weakest area – of civilization. When you go around the world, um, like the United States, only 11% trust Congress or the president. Um, you look at um, when an engine light comes on and a woman takes it into the garage and the man comes out and says, no, it's not your battery. You need a whole new alternator. Every woman in, in America, her mind will flash like, I wonder if that's true. Your air conditioner goes out. So you call George Brazil air conditioner repair and a repairman comes out at student time and says, yeah, I can't give it a shot of Freon. Uh, you're going to need a whole new refrigerator, a whole new uh, um, for $5,000. So nobody has trust. Everybody thinks you're lying. Everybody thinks you're trying to sell them something. Um, they uh, All the jokes are on used car salesmen, mechanics, repairmen. Uh, oh, yeah, some dentist told me I needed four cavities and a deep cleaning, and I heard that she went somewhere else and she didn't even have a cavity. So, so the whole deal is trust. You're selling the invisible. You're not selling an iPhone where everybody knows what an iPhone is. I mean, when I go get a bottled water, I know what it is. I know what's in so many of the things I buy, there's no trust necessary. But like when I check into a hotel, why is there a paper clip around the toilet seat? Because the maid didn't clean the toilet in front of me. She's, she's selling the invisible. She's saying, look, man, this is a clean toilet. 
when, when you see a glass in, uh, in your room, there's a little paper cardboard cup on it. What does that mean? I'm selling the invisible. I clean this, the clean glass. When you order room service, they leave one inch of the straw paper on your straw just to sell. We're class act, man. That's a clean straw, you know, blah, 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 blah. Dentistry's wicked. Nobody can read an x-ray. Nobody knows they have six interproximal cavities. No one knows why this tooth needs a root canal and not a filling. Nobody knows anything. So they're just analyzing you. Do I trust you? And the dentist got into dental school only because she had straight A's in math, physics, calculus. So usually they're introvert geeks who spent their whole life in the library. They don't talk. They don't talk spaces. They have a bunch of staff turned over. That's another reason these DSOs are dead in arrival. Should <laughs> they can't even keep their average dentist two years, and they're in the dental business. I mean, it's not like pharmacy. Like when I go to a pharmacist and get 28 tabs of penicillin, the product is the 28 tabs in the bottle. That's not how dentistry is. Dentistry is hands-on surgery. You're leaning me back. You're touching me. You're selling the invisible. You say I need all this stuff. It's really expensive. And, and then every time I come in, there's a different dentist. There's a different hygienist. There's a different assistant. So, the, so who is going to crush it? The people who crush is when the patient comes in, they make eye contact, they reach out, they shake their hand. How are you, Kevin? How are you doing? Thank you so much for coming to my office. New patients, I always give them a tour of the office. I walk around, oh, yeah, here's the hygienist, Brandy, and here's Amy. Hey, here's Chris Kalor. She's been my assistant for 17 years. And the lady checking in, Dawn, she's been here 17 years. Lori's been here 21. My dental assistant, Jan's been here 30 years. And, and we, not only do we like staff for life, we like customers for life. And by the way, Kevin, here's my card. You ever have a problem? Here's my cell phone. In fact, call me now. Text me now. It's, it's right in my pocket. Here's my email, Howard at todaysdental.com. And then I'll go in there, and I'm, I'm just selling trust. And also, when you're talking to patients, if you say, well, you know, this tooth has been, you know, keeping me up at night, and it really hurts. If I ask the next question, is it sensitive to cold? I say, yeah, if I drink something cold, it really hurts. Well, it's a sensitive bite. They don't think you're listening. You have to repeat yourself. The people who are crushing it took a Dell Carnegie course. They just are good in relationships. They listen. And when and listening, active listening is repeating. Okay, so it's sensitive to hot and cold. Okay. And it woke you up last night. I'm sorry to hear that. And you're showing empathy and concern. And you're repeating what they back. And you pat their shoulder. You shake their hand. You're basically running for mayor. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get this person to elect you to be their dentist. And they can't, and, and you've got to slow down staff turnover. When you're selling the invisible, you need to have your, when I look at a lot of these dentists, let, let, me, let me tell where, where to get a job as an associate. Let's say you're an associate and you want to go back to um, Hayes Camp. And there's two dentists um, that are hiring for a job. And they both do, um, um, you know, you go in there and one office, the average employee's been there three years, and he's on his fourth wife. And then you go into the other office, and uh, the other office, I mean, it's like half the staff's been there 10, 12, 15 years, and he's still on his first wife. Guess who understands relationship? That young dentist doesn't ever need to use their calculus or physics or math. 90% of everything they learn in undergraduate is completely useless information. What they need to learn is how does that dentist talk to the staff? How does that dentist attract and retain quality key people that are functional? You know, a lot of dentists that have the high staff turnover, they tolerate a lot of dysfunctional. They tolerate moody people, bipolar people, people that are real sweet to you three days in a row. And then they come in and they're real crazy and say mean things. And, and, and the staff is completely revolving. Another, another interesting thing is I'll go into an office and like 10 of the staff, no one's been there three years, but old Betty's been there like 25 years. Well, I guarantee you, Betty's the one running everybody off. And if everybody is turning over every two, three, four years, then it's the dentist. And then the dentist every weekend wants to go off and take some stupid course on occlusion or nathology or implants or whatever. And, and, and the question is, how come you can't keep your staff? You have to keep your staff because you can take your iPhone and record it. When you walk out of the room, when I go in there and say, hey, Kevin, I'm sorry to tell you this, buddy, but you got, you got four cavities. And then when I leave, She's going to turn right to the dentist and say, Chris, do I, I really have four cavities? And then the dentists are control freaks. They don't let anybody talk. When my assistant takes a, a new patient and starts taking FMX, every x-ray she throws up there. She takes the first x-ray. She reads it right in front of the patient. Don't see that? That's the cavity. 
see that white that white area that's metal absorbing the x-ray so it shows up as blank well it looks like white and then they're going oh yeah this one need to root canal see how it's all the way into the nerve see you've had a root canal over here see how the root canal is in the nerve will you trust a twenty dollar an hour dental assistant do you trust a forty dollar an hour hygienist you don't trust some dentist that lives in a five thousand square foot mansion and drives a rolls and you know a, a range rover so so a lot of dentists are say well you know, that's illegal, Howard. You can't have the hygienist diagnosing an x-ray. Like, dude, you know one hygienist in jail from reading an x-ray? They're, they're, it's not about the law. It's about a control freak. And the other thing about that is when the dentist is diagnosing stuff and doesn't let the staff question it, actively question it in front of the patient, really, Doc, well, is that really a cavity? Because it looks like it's only, like, right here, right here. And you say, no, I'm seeing here. In fact, I'll tell you what, Chris. When I do this cavity, as soon as I break the contact, I'm going to have you come in here and look at it because we've got to remember the cavity is only about, shows up about 40% on the x-ray. So you're just seeing the 40%. There's a whole other 60%. And then I'll break through that contact and I'll sit there and I'll go get Chris and I'll give her a spoon x fader and a mirror. I'll say, look at that. You, you said this was a watch. And look at that. You're just scooping out oatmeal. Then I take a number four round burn, clean out all this oatmeal. So when the staff has freedom to talk. I mean, if you can't tell your staff, then the minute you leave the room, she says, do I really have four cavities? And your sister says, well, I don't know. I, they're so small. I think I would just watch them. I mean, if you floss them like every day, I think they would go away. And then, and then a dentist will tell a patient, well, you need to replace this crown because that's open margin. And then the hygienist is like, dude, last week I saw three of your patients that you did a crown on that had an open margin. But see, there's no trust. And what I do in my office is the hygienist says, um, yeah, number three MO, that, I put that as a watch. I say, ah, I put it, I put it, as, a, uh, I put it as a D. I, I think we need to do it. So I'll tell you what, don't say a word, don't say a word. Let's call in anybody with wet, wet hands. I mean, we have two people in the office, dry hands, wet hands. Call it another wet hand. I don't care if it's an assistant, a hygienist, or any of my associates. And they'll come in there and say, hey, look at number four. I'm not telling you what it is but me and chris see it differently and they'll look in there and, and it, we run a straight democracy and the patients are taking all this in that the assistant got a vote the hygienist got a vote and then i'll say you know one of the advantages of group practice there's three docs that can look at this in fact i'm going to leave the room i'll bring in one of the doctors and say hey look i've done this 31 years mark haley's done this 35 years uh my other son he's done it like 20 years i'm going to leave the room i'm not going to say anything um, because a lot of people, they come in there and they just want their teeth cleaned, and then they got to have four quadrants through playing cure tides, and they don't want a deep cleaning. They just want their teeth cleaned. You don't feel gum disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, so they just want to sit there and uh, have it done. But when they see long-term staff, I mean, when you go into the Marriott, it says right on her name tag, Amy Lou, nine years. You're like, damn, how does the Marriott keep this lady? She's checking me in at 11 o'clock at night. How do you keep an employee working at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday for nine years? They must treat you right. That's why I think, you know, Howard, what you're trying right. to tell our listeners, and I think what is critically important, is you're trying to build the BLT, not bacon, lettuce, and tomato, but you want your team members, you want your clients and patients to believe, like, and trust. Believe, like, and trust. And once you have figured out a way to expedite that BLT, which in my experience usually occurs in the first couple of minutes, you know whether you've connected. And I believe what Howard's trying to tell uh, our young doctors and our seasoned doctors is it's nice to be smart. It's nice to have a didactic background. It's nice to know your field inside and out. But in the end, people purchase through emotions. They purchase because they trust you, they like you, and they believe in you. And the quicker you can obtain that, whatever uh, approaches that work for your personality and your team members, you have to institute. Howard, I want to change gears just a little bit and ask you, what do you think about these dental spas? And I'm not talking about massage, music, and warm towels. I'm talking about implementing laser hair removal, the removal of red and brown spots done by sun damage. I'm talking about adipose and body recontouring. I'm talking about going at it because these 
procedures are fee for service. There's no insurance. The demand is high, and the dentist already has a team that's used to dealing with aesthetics and a clientele that's interested in aesthetics. Do you have any information or recommendations uh, regarding that particular topic? Well, I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of dentists, uh, I, I want to read you a stat real quick. Um, let me, uh, let me uh, see where I pulled this up. Um, but um, two seconds. I just uh, put, oh, gosh. Well, while you're looking for the stats, well, well, I implemented well, well, neuromodulators. I implemented uh, dermal fillers uh, approximately five years ago, and I found that the demand continued to rise. I found that after getting through some of the learning curves, uh, not only was the team and myself completely adapted uh, for these types of procedures, it instituted other things that Quite honestly, I never really associated with dentistry, but it fit my personal wants and needs and my business acumen, which was, I'm not dealing with insurance. You're here because you want it. The procedures are elective. And generally, whether they're PDO sutures, uh, whether they're Kybella, whether it's intense pulse light, laser, or radio frequency, these are all considered non-surgical. They can be delegated off to licensed estheticians, nurse, physician assistants, or the dentist themselves, depending on state regulations. And I think it's something that the profession uh, probably started and looked into, but perhaps didn't spend the correct amount of time to see the opportunities that are out there, particularly for this group of millenniums that you said basically they want to look young. They want to look healthy. The baby boomers even more. Nobody wants to look worn out and beat up. And with the divorce rate of over 60%, people are always in the market. So um, my opinion is I think it's good for the profession if it's done appropriately and correctly. What's your opinion? Well, you know, in 2016, Americans lost $116 billion on gambling. And they only spent $124 billion on dental services. So basically, every time you tell someone they need dentistry and they say they don't have the money. I mean, I'm right here in Phoenix, Arizona. We have like six different casinos within five to ten miles of my house. And they're building a new $100 million casino. So the, so the casino business is $116 billion. Dentistry is $124 billion. I, I mean, the, the big, you know, like, it's the same thing with, like, TMJ, like, like, like everything you talk about, that's all great and groovy. And if, that, if that's what makes you excited, then you have to do it. But, like, people will go get into big old TMJ. TMJ is not even 1% of the industry. Either is veneers. Either is bleaching and bonding and all this like that. We, we, we have 90 specialties in America. And, and this, uh, I mean, that, that's the number I want to uh, – I, I want to focus on the, the, the specialty income. I mean, think, think about – Think about um, this for a minute. So the average, the average dentist is making uh, um, $174,000 a year, and the average specialist is making $322,000. So they almost make twice as much. So general, general practice, 174. Average endodontist makes 325. And I, I hear people say, you know, they, they don't like molar endo. Well, I, I don't care if you like molar endo. You're $350,000 in debt. You're a dentist. It's $1,000 too. Average oral surgeon makes $413,000 a year. They make the most. And then they say, well, you know, I don't like pulling with disease. I don't care if you don't like pulling with disease. You know why you don't like it? Because you never do it. You never do it, so you're horrible at it. Sure, the first step will take you an hour for one tooth. But you know what? I've done it for 31 years. I pulled 100% of all my third molars. And 95% of the time, I pull all four wisdom teeth in under five minutes of surgical bite. Or those 301000 301000 that's $125,000 a year more than a general debt. Invisalign. I mean, Invisalign doesn't even think, and you say, well, I'm not worth it. I said Invisalign on my life technology. They just lost 17% of Smiles Drug Club because they don't even think you need to be an orthodontist. They're setting up malls. Uh, they're setting up offices in malls in San Francisco, Manhattan, where people off the street are scanning your art, sending the file over the internet to Costa Rica. They're milling out the trays and sending them to the consumer's house. So I think it's funny that Invisalign doesn't even think you need to be an orthodontist, but a dentist thinks you need to be an orthodontist. When right now in the biggest cities, 
from uh, uh, from uh, New York to San Francisco, non-dental people with zero training are doing Invisalign. Pediatric dentists make 347000 Dentists say they, they don't like children. Then why did you have three kids? How can you tell me you have three kids and you don't like children? Or maybe you're my age. I got four boys. So far, they've made me four grandchildren. I, I, mean, I mean, I don't care if you don't like it. The huge money is not TMJ bleaching, bonding, veneers, and all this, all this noise. It's just real dentistry. I, I have to sell you on veneers. I have to sell you on bleaching and bonding. And I have a hard time. With it, so I, I, I can't go to a woman and say, hey, you know, you'd you look a lot prettier if you got bleaching and bonding and veneers. She's probably looking at me saying, yeah, well, if you'd lose 50 pounds, get a tan and wear a wig, maybe you'd look attractive. I mean, I, 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 that, women have enough guilt on their plate. I'm not going to tell them you look prettier. But they're coming in with a toothache. They're like, dude, it hurts. I can't sleep. And, and they're going to pay you $1,000 insurance pay they that do it. Kids come in all day long, extractions, wisdom teeth. It's summer break right now. I mean, I got friends. I, I was a friend with uh, a dentist uh, went out for barbecue. I mean, he's been pulling a set of wisdom teeth every a.m. and another set every p.m. And he's the same age I am. We both went to Creighton. Invisalign, my God, if you don't want to learn Invisalign, don't even have your assistant do it. Go have your receptionist start doing it. That's how they're doing it in malls. Pediatric dentistry. I mean, I mean, I mean, if the specialists are making three thirty on average, and the average dentist dentist making one thirty four, well, learn endo, and you might make three twenty five. Learn oral surgery, you might make four thirteen. Learn ortho, you might make three hundred one. Learn pediatrics, you might make three forty seven. And think about that. Pediatric dentistry. 347, orthodontist, 301. The pediatric dentist almost makes $50,000 a year more than ortho because it's the biology of things. Mom and dad will always spend first on their reproduce and have offspring baby than they are themselves. Mom doesn't want Invisalign for herself. She wants her kids um, uh, to be better out there. That, that's the whole biology. They always spend downwards. And then these dentists are always trying to learn PMJ and they go places that teach courses like treating the worn dentition and they're trying to sell some $50,000 rehab to some 80 year old man. The whole time he's just listening, it's like, my God, I'm 80 years old. The last thing I would ever do is waste $50,000 on my teeth. I have no problem eating whatever the hell I eat. This is crazy. But that grandfather, when he dies, he'll leave that $50,000 to his grandkids so they can go to college or do whatever they need. So, so aim down, aim with the children. They need pediatrics. They need orthodontics. Go for the stuff that's easy to sell. Well, well, I can tell you this, Howard. I can tell you this from from listening to you on this podcast. Basically, in summary, what you're trying to suggest to our listeners is focus in on the believe, like, and trust. The quicker you can establish it, the better your relations will be and the better your bottom line will be. Stop fooling around with a lot of extraneous procedures and treatments. Focus in on the bread and butter. Get off your fanny. And if you don't want to do wisdom teeth, tough. Get to do it. Get to do it well. If you need a mentor, find a mentor. But just understand the first dozen or so you're going to struggle with. But once you get through that, you're going to see the income increase because the data that you've explained to our listeners indicate the money and the finances and the profit are in the specialty cares of dentistry. And that specialty care leads to more specialty care. <laughs> Typically, if one of your children has wisdom teeth done and you've removed it, almost in all occasions, uh, the next child is going to have their wisdom teeth removed. And the same goes for orthodontics and pediatrics. Once you establish that you're competent, efficient, and effective, uh, then that will continue. And the fees and the reimbursements are far superior when it comes to specialty care rather than general dental care. Howard, uh, we have to uh, cut our time right now. Is there something you want to leave our listeners? Is there some kind of nugget or pearl that you would suggest, particularly to the newer dentist, other than believe, like, and trust, develop your ability to communicate not only with your team members, but with your clients and patients. Uh, what, what can you leave uh, as, as a nugget to them so that they have a successful career like you've done and they can be profitable, not worry about overhead and, and expenses, and uh, they live within their means and they enjoy their life rather than thinking about how quickly they can retire and get out of this profession? 
Yeah, again, I started off the show that they live beyond their means personal and they live beyond their means professional. Like, I got a great, smart, genius friend out here named Jared Pope that learned how to place implants because every night he came home, he just went to YouTube, searched in dental implants, and would watch whatever people are posting on YouTube for an hour. Um, I, I have 450 courses on Dental Town that are like $18 a piece. And, and but the, the high spending millennials so like, no, no, I'm going to get on an airplane. I'm going to fly to one of these institutes like Panky and Spear and Coist and Ross and all these things that are like $3,000 a weekend. And they'll come back and I'll go to dinner with them. I'll say, well, you just dropped $3,000. Tell me, tell me what you didn't know that you know now. And they're just like, oh, 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 oh. it's like, quit like, spending money. And then they go in their office and say, well, you know, I need to buy a $140,000 CAD CAM machine. Why? I take, I take a $17 Impergum impression, send it down the street to Van Hook, and he makes me a, 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 all, a Bruxer for, for $98. And now, and now I have to buy, and now I'm going to have, and, and Van Hook has been making a gazillion crowns for 30 years. I bet he's made 10, 20, 30,000. I bet he's made 10,000 a decade. And what does it say? Oh no, I got to buy a CAD CAM machine. I'll say, well, no, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy an oral scanner. It's like an oral scanner. You know, an oral scanner, just the software, just the software agreement is, is $2,400 a year. That's 200 a month. I wasn't even spending 200 a month on Impergum. And now I got a $200 software and there's 7,500 dental labs in America. And now the only people that are compatible with this damn uh, oral scanner, I just cut the number of labs by 80%. I mean, every time they have an idea, they go spend money. They fly across the country. They drop 3,000 on a course. They, they, they buy CAD cams, oral, just quit it. Just stop the insanity. You want to take an impression? It's called Infragum and Asylum's Premier Triple Tray. You could do the whole thing, trade impression for under 20 bucks. So you want to learn something online? See? Take the 450 courses on Dentaltown that are 18 bucks. You know, when you fly to that resort and you go down to the Panky Zoo, your cab fee from the airport to Panky will be $50. And, and you didn't you didn't want to learn the occlusion course for eighteen dollars, and if you don't want to take any of my four hundred and fifty courses on Dental Town, YouTube. Just go to YouTube and type in occlusion, TMJ, implants, root canals, apicoactomies, gum surgery. I mean, there's I mean it's, it's insane. There's like there's almost two thousand years worth of videos uploaded per day on YouTube. So just start. The easiest dollar earned is a dollar in expenses saved. The hardest dollar earned is drilling and filling and billing another dollar to the dentistry. Just stop the insanity, move it with your parents, drive an old beater car, and, and I'll tell you what, if you can't work, the average American works 40 hours a week. Koreans, South Koreans, 60 hours a week. I mean, just, just ask Korean, man, just start working 60 hours a week. Another thing, when you take off Saturday and Sunday, Saturday, you're bored, you sleep in, you have relaxation. By Sunday, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to Home Depot and start remodeling my bathroom. I mean, so when you're bored, idle hands is the work of the spending devil. When you work, I want you to work so hard, 10 hours a day, six days a week, that when you get home, you don't even have enough energy to go to the store. You don't have enough energy to go start a bathroom remodel deal. Just work, 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 work. Work, work until you have no debt. And then when you start realizing that when you buy a government bond for a dollar, it will pay you a nickel a year until the United States of America is no longer there. Rockefeller died. He was the richest man ever in America. He's worth 2.4% of the GDP, which is far higher than Gates or anybody even close. And, and he still funds gazillions of dollars of research and institutes and the Rockefeller Center because – all of that money, every dollar he had, makes a nickel a year. But that's not what dentist lawyers do. Every dollar they spend, they have to pay a nickel a year. And, and, and it's not just that in their 20s. You find them in their 30s. They're still paying a nickel for, for every dollar they've ever spent. It's all borrowed money. You don't need a new car refinance. And, and, and I'll finish with this one thing. In America, in this insane country, the average American buys uh, 13 new cars between the ages of 16 and 76. The average new car is $33,500. When I look at dentists in the United States, 95% of dentists will retire and never sold a single treatment plan 
for $33,500. And in that same zip code, in every single zip code where they say there's no money, there's no money, there's no money, there's a dentist who works Monday through Thursday, 8 to 5, and Friday morning is just a big case sale where he does an all-on-four, he does the full mouth rehab, he does whatever. And, and you know, I was talking to some dentist the other day, um, visiting my mom in Kansas. We were in a town about 5,000. And he says, well, Howard, you don't understand, man. We're out in the middle of foreign country. There's no money out here. And, you know, times are tough. And I said, okay. Well, we're looking at the Mexican restaurant. There's a, a Circle K. It's actually called Quick Trip down there, QT. And I'll say, how many cars are at the QT? He said, how many cars? He starts counting. There were seven trucks. I said, what is every one of those trucks? Four of them were an F-150, and three of them were an F-250. So every one of those trucks was $40,000 stripped down naked new, and the 250s were about 90000 I said, isn't that interesting how there's a dentist in every county? And if you don't believe me, go to Care Credit. Because what I love the most about Care Credit, and I have no financial incentive to any of these companies, any products I recommend, is that they will show you the utilization of all the dentists in your city and your county. So you're sitting there saying, oh, yeah, the sky's falling, the economy's bad, there's no money, and the insurance sucks. And they're like, well, yeah, well, you are only financing $500 a month on care credit, and 1.2 miles down is Dr. Kevin Coughlin, and he's doing about $150,000 a month in financing. And your patients that don't have any money, ask them when they sit down. Go through all your cars. When did you get your first car? You got a job at a restaurant. You got a car 16. Was it new or used? Oh, it was used. When did you buy your first new car? Oh, when I was 21. What did you buy? Oh, I bought this. And then when I was, uh, and then the payment was done at five years. Every time the cars paid off, these dumbass Americans go buy another new car. They bought 19 million new cars last year with a median price of 33500 And this dentist is telling me that there's no money in this town. No, he can't sell. He can't sell. He has taken a business course, has gone to Dell Carnegie. He, has a, he hasn't gained trust. I love your BLT, Kevin. First of all, Kevin, I want to tell you, it's a huge, huge honor that you had me come on your show. I, I love that BLT. Um, uh, it's not baking less than It's believe, like, and trust. And these dentists that sit there and tell me, uh, you know, the people – the only people making insurance to God is the damn dentist. They'll sit there and say, well, Kevin, you need, you need a root canal and two crowns and nine fillings, but unfortunately your insurance will only pay $1,000. That's not how they talk when they sell cars and boats and planes and trains and houses. We'll go in there and say, well, you know, basically you, have a, you need two crowns, one root canal, 11 fillings, the whole nine yards. Everything combined is $5,000. Your insurance will pay 1000 so your portion is 4000 and, and, and it's all bought on installment credit. So on that health history chart, instead of just asking if they've ever had herpes, syphilis, or gonorrhea, start asking them the care credit question. Have you had your job for two years? What is your social security number? Have you lived in your residency for two years? What is your address? Ask them all that information. So when I walk in there, I'm not going to say, hey, it's 5000 you should pay 1000 uh, Kevin, you owe me 4000 I'll walk in and say, hey, Kevin, man, you got an awesome credit, buddy. If we do everything that Dr. Crane wants to do, your interest will be 1000 and then your portion will be $160 a month for 60 months. To, uh, are you good with that? I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, you know what? What we do is we don't schedule patients on Friday. So I think doctor can do this whole thing in three hours. So we're going to see you Friday morning at 7 o'clock. You'll probably be here till 10. And then so half the market is afraid of money. So you always offer installment line. Only 10% of cars are paid in cash. The other 90% are all paid over 60 months. That's what you got to do. Then number two, the other half is afraid of fear. And you don't ever, ever, ever want to put someone to sleep because you're not a board-certified anesthesiologist. And when something goes south there, it's a disaster. And then we just have a lineup. I mean, I learned this when we were having four kids. I mean, you show up at the hospital with your pregnant wife at 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and they get out that member those old Motorola beepers, and, and, and they, the OBGYN would send out a text, and the man would walk in in like five minutes, like, dude, how, how did you show up in five minutes? He's like, oh, yeah, I just sit at the Waffle House, drink coffee, read books, and they page me. I mean, we have pager numbers. There's all these anesthesiology services. By the way, if, you know, if you're afraid – well, shit, let's get an anesthesiologist in here. Here's the number. Here's the card. You call him. I have nothing to do with this. Uh, you talk to him. He'll talk to you over the phone. Uh, he does the billing. 
um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he'll come in here. And by the way, 30 years ago, it was really dangerous putting people to sleep because they used a lot of narcotics. Now they got a lot of reversal agents and it's a lot safer. And you need someone that only does that full-time board certified. So half are afraid of the, afraid of the price. So you just offer it in payments. You don't sit there at a total bill. You don't tell someone, hey, that, that new F-150 is 40000 Can you write me a check for 40000 Shit, most dentists couldn't write you a check for 40000 But when they sit there and say, yeah, this is $480 a month for 60 months, everybody, everybody buys it. So, so that's the bottom line. And then if you're afraid of uh, anything else, uh, um, then we'll, let's put you to sleep. Hey, Howard. I don't know what to say except for thank you. Uh, Like I said, this is close to my 100th podcast. For our listeners, my name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You've been listening to Ascent Dental Solutions. I hope you've heard the passion, the drive, the desire, and the the fact that uh, Dr. Farron is trying. He's trying to motivate and help you so you don't go through the hard times, the difficulties. Be aggressive. Be smart. Save your money. Understand that nothing is easy and going to be given to you. But let me tell you something. You're going to appreciate the hard work. I haven't missed a day's work in 35 years. It's one of the things that I'm most proud of. In my opinion, get off your duff. Do what Howard is telling you to do. Focus in on the bread and butter of dentistry. Understand that you can get most of this information, if not all of this information, on Dental Town for $18.450 courses. For God's sakes, if you're not YouTubing it or you're not on Howard's Dental Town, you should be. Howard, I can't thank you enough for your energy, your time, and your devotion to our profession. I hope people see the passion and understand the drive and desire that you've put into your 31-year career. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. And remember, you want everyone to believe, like, and trust you. And for those that don't, move on and don't waste time. Howard, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.